Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, we uh, have had an interesting week with um, the passing of Queen Elizabeth. I know. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of press. Um, I, I personally don't follow the royal family. I, I do. Right, yeah. It is interesting, the customs and the traditions and so forth. But she ruled for like 70 years since she was That's like 20, 25 years old. Can you imagine being put, you know, in that type of position in your 20s? I mean, that. No, I cannot imagine the, that. Yeah. The, the pressure. Yeah, and yeah, I think it's, I mean, it really is. It shocked me more. Like like you said, I don't I don't follow it as much, but it shocked me more of like, wow, I, I've known no different. My parents, I mean, my dad is, is older, so he would have known a little bit more. But uh, like my parents know no different, really. Yeah. That's a long, like, a long time. That's a long time to rule. And yeah. anyway, so that definitely uh, struck my interest uh, last week because it was a week ago. Yeah, definitely um, on, on the news quite a bit. Yeah. So um, and uh, of course, we're not going to talk about football. Because Carolina lost last week. Yeah, yeah, so. we'll skip. We'll we'll talk about that one next week. And they yeah. play Georgia this weekend, so we we'll just skip that. Um, we we do have an interesting show though. We do. We got some good topics talking about Social Security. Um, we get that question a lot. Um, it did, the the uh, trust fund just came out with their annual report, and they are projected to run out of reserves, Zach, twenty thirty five. So, I'll just give you a little tidbit here. Anybody under the age of fifty five is is paying into an insolvent system. So thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate yep. that. They'll fix it. We've got some fixes. Oh yeah, you and we'll I could go up there and fix it in in the matter of a day. I mean, there's some tweaks that you can make associated with it. Easily, so we'll, easily. We'll get into that. Yes. Yeah, and then we're going to talk about estate planning, but not what you think. It's not for the folks that are kind of dealing with that in retirement. It's actually estate planning for people who are in their 20s and 30s. Younger. We younger don't. Yeah, folks. younger, younger crowd. We don't talk about that as often. But I was reading this article um, last week, and I figured. You know, that actually would be a really good topic to talk about because I think um, not a lot of people are, are preparing in their 20s and 30s for estate planning. So Yeah, so if you're not in your 20s or 30s, you probably know someone who is. That's right. Right? And you can pass this along to them yeah. and encourage them. So, um, well, you know, by the way, I'm uh, John Travis, you know, and you're Zach, right? I am Zach. You're yes, Zach. I'm Zach Albanese. Yes. That's right. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified coach, and I have uh, over 30 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. Yeah, and I'm Zach Albanese. I'm a financial advisor here and uh, been in the business now for about three years and enjoy um, helping people plan their financial futures yeah. out. So. And you're studying. I am studying CFP. Yeah. Yeah. I, Almost there. Exam Hopefully, is in the fall or in the in, spring. In the right? spring, yeah, yeah. yeah so. It was. It could have been in the fall, but I, I push it to spring, yeah. and uh, yeah. I think that'll be better. And uh, got yeah. a couple other things going on in your life, namely you four kids, four children. Yes. Yeah, that that definitely uh, throws a wrench in, into my time management system. Keep, keeps so. you busy. So. Oh yeah. But we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. We're up every Friday morning. You can go to our website moneymd.net. Um, download us to your iTunes. You can listen to us really at any time. We have all of the podcasts out on the um, the website. Also, have a really good website with some good material out there. Go go check that out. Some videos and some tools as well. And uh, we have a Facebook page, Money MD, uh, out on Facebook. So we're going to start off today with the financial fact of the week. That's right. The financial fact of the week is a bit more technical. Um, it says according to some data by Dimensional Fund Advisors, the buildup. For the the ten largest companies in the United States is much better than the cool down in years following. 
the annualized return for the 10, 5, and 3 years before entering the top 10 uh, largest companies has been positive 10%, 19.3%, and 24.3% respectively. So that's the that's the uh, that's before they get to be a top ten company, right? Exactly. They're they're not mid sized. So that's they're, when they're they're growing. They're growing, yeah. rapidly. And then the following three, five, and ten years after a company has entered that top ten companies is positive point seven percent, negative one point one percent, and negative one point five percent respectively. So there's much more movement in the top companies in the U.S. over time, and it's hard to pick and choose which company will do well going forward. And I think the statistic is important. Because uh, you know, I think just the variability of knowing who is going to reach that "quote unquote" top ten, mm-hmm. that t- uh, top ten U.S. company, you, you just you know you don't know. And I think seeing that the growth is so much greater than the than the downfall or the yeah. Once the, they get yeah. big, right. I mean, you think about Walmart. I mean, Walmart in the '80s and '90s was the the Amazon, quite frankly, and it yeah. grew exceptionally quick. Well, you get so big, you can't keep doubling. It's just right. Not, not possible. It's not possible to keep doubling. Right. But then once you get get really big and you do have a good foundation, yeah. even bad years, you've built such a good foundation to you that your downfalls are not as large as, right. the, as the upswing. It's so, more of a stable, mature company. Exactly. So, but just don't try to predict it. If you own a mutual yeah. fund, you own those companies that are going to be have those you know, super size That's right. in McDonald's terms. You participate in... Yeah. That's, yep. So anyway, good fact of the week. Yep. And uh, we're going to talk about Social Security, the... Trust Fund just came out um, with their annual report on uh, Social Security and Medicare um, recently, and um, the silent but deadly report shows that the medical Medicare Trust Fund will be insolvent, or the hospital piece of this, uh, which is Medicare, in 2028, and the Social Security um, Trust Fund will run out of reserves by 2034. So we get that question a lot. I actually had it um, a meeting and just got out of and. That was a question. They said, was Social Security going to be around when, when I uh, retire? And so, you know, we get that question f- very frequently. The most common measure for gauging the trust fund insolvency um, shows that it'll be exhausted in uh, 2035. Mm. And that's one year later than projected from last year's report. So after the, the projected trust fund depletion in 2035, the income from the payroll taxes would be sufficient to pay only about 80% of the program costs. And um, that declines to 74% by 2096. Right. A long way out in the future. So, you know, a 20% reduction is, is kind of what is being um, projected. And, and, but we'll get to the punchline here, but there'll be changes to the system before that. Sure, sure. Yeah, at the end of 2021, the Social Security program was providing monthly benefits to about 65 million people, including 56 million uh, retirees, their families, survivors, and about 9 million um, disability recipients. During 2021, 179 million workers paid $981 billion in payroll taxes. Mm. So it's a big number. It is a big number, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so in, employees right now, they pay 6.2% mm-hmm. um, contribution from their earnings up to a maximum of 147000 in 2022. And uh, the employers uh, pay the same amount. So basically, you've got... You've got twelve point four percent going into um, into uh, Social Security for the benefits. Uh, that's roughly the, the the ballpark, and so the the payroll taxes are no longer sufficient to pay all of the promised Social Security benefits, and cons- consequently, the Social Security Administration has begun tapping the system's reserve revenues, uh, known as the trust funds. And so, with the twenty twenty one annual deficit of about fifty six billion dollars. 
the reserves of that trust fund now are about 2.9 trillion. So these are just massive numbers. Um, the COVID, yeah, the COVID nineteen pandemic, um, you know, had a significant effect on Social Security in uh, in the near term, but the trust trustees project little effect on the long term status of the program mm-hmm. based on just the COVID nineteen pandemic and. And certainly the economic recovery from the pandemic-induced 2020 recession has been stronger and faster than what was originally assumed in last year's report, which mm-hmm. is why it's a little bit better. Um, but, uh, you know, it's still going to still gonna be short 20% in 2035. Yeah, stated, you know, stated another way, it, were, it would require an immediate 3.42% increase in the combined portion of the uh, FICA payroll taxes that fund Social Security benefits from 12 0.4% to 15.82% mm-hmm. to bring the system's finances into balance. So there is a there are adjustments that can be made. Sure. And I think it's just doing the math and calculations now so that those can be made uh, in the future. Yeah, and, so Social Security is 13 years away. That's basically the bottom line. Yeah. Medicare is only six years away as well. So policymakers, I mean, I've, I've read some reports on this. Um, you know, there are proposals out there. The problem that politicians get into when they start talking about change in social security is is the other side says well you're going to take social security away from grandma well yeah right. no they're not going to that that will not be done they'll just take it away from me they will they will <laughs> go into folks that are in their 20s 30s and 40s they will take the age from 62 out to 65 right um maybe they tweak the amount that's coming out of uh, an employee's paycheck from 6.2 percent to 6.5 percent so a small Adjustment, but you can do some of these adjustments. Um, you know, the, they've noted that uh, the youngest retirees will be 68 when Medicare runs out of reserves, and 75 when the Social Security becomes insolvent. So, as I mentioned before, you know, those folks that are under the age of 55 will retire, you know, into an insolvent system. Now, there's still money there, but it's just being drained down, and they would have to reduce it down by 20% to right. get to the number. Yeah, so really all beneficiaries, at that time of, of uh, insolvency, all beneficiaries will face a 20% cut in their benefits if we do nothing. If we wait until 2035, benefits would need to be cut by a quarter or taxes raised by a third, and we wouldn't be able to give workers and retirees time to adjust to this new reality. So I think it's it's good that we have this kind of warning sure. so we can prepare well. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, there's proposals out there now about making adjustments, and I think that it can be tweaked. I think people that are within 10 years of Social Security um, will not be affected. So when we do planning for folks, um, you know, 10 years until Social Security, we're not making any mm-hmm. changes to Social Security. When you get someone in their 20s and 30s, we'll, we'll adjust it, um, you know, a little bit just because we don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but, you know, if you're 30 years away from retirement, you can you can adapt to what's happening in Social Security. So. Right. For the most part, if you're if you're taking Social Security today, I do not believe now they could means test it, which means if you have a hundred thousand dollar pension and you know you're taking money out of your your uh, IRAs, they put, potentially could means test it. But there's some other things they can do before that. Sure. So don't lose sleep over it. Yeah, don't lose sleep over it. And I think with any planning, you know, you if you have sufficient time to adjust, it it really is not that painful. Yeah. Um. Totally but agree. but to those who are in or near retirement, yeah, I wouldn't worry about your Social Security benefits going away. I know that's a common uh, quip that we get, yes. and I think um, it's it's really not not well founded, even with things like 
like this article. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's good. I agree. I agree. Very good. So uh, we're going to talk about the question of the week. And that's we've right. been getting this quite a bit as well. So on Tuesday of this this week, we actually had the the Dow Jones drop about 1,300 um, points, which was around 4%. Uh, NASDAQ was down about 5%. And so it was a huge drop. And so we got, we've gotten a lot of questions and people are wondering, why, why did it drop so much? And I, I think the stat too was biggest drop since June of 2020. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it, it did. It was, uh, it was very large and caught a lot of people's attention. So basically what happened, uh, the inflation number came out for mm-hmm. um, July or for August. August yeah. And uh, it did not drop as much as people had expected. So, right. which then translates into the Federal Reserve potentially increasing interest rates uh, more than what was projected. Right. Which hurts the economy because businesses um, use that money for expansions and also earnings if if y'all listened a couple of weeks ago remember we talked about yeah. how earnings are are done um the the present value projections right. when you have a higher interest rate those earnings are brought back and it makes a lower earnings lower, today yeah. so a couple of factors going on there but this the interest rate increase really spooks the market is what it boils it down does. to yeah and so when the inflation did not drop the expectation of in Interest rates going up more, yeah, scared the market and it it dropped significantly. So, um, is there anything you should do different? No, I mean, no, no one yeah. can predict predict this. I will say that the market's looking out six to nine months and trying to figure out is there going to be a mild recession or a deep recession, and no one knows. Sure, um, yeah, and I, and I think you know with with uh, Jerome Powell's comments from a couple weeks prior, I was surprised with the drop because I figured it was expected, but I'm not a big wig market investor and i know they know more than me on those sorts of things but i was surprised because jerome powell basically said there's going to be pain i think he said that yeah. word like there's going to be pain in the, in the households um and then i think the data that came out really showed that and the market responded so maybe they you never know what 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 the market's doing but yeah i know i always try and figure it out john always looks at me weird but um well it's interesting <laughs> that they would move the market that much because you're yeah, right powell's right. basically said we're raising it three quarters yeah it's like percent. we're gonna do this it's gonna be hard yeah so anyway, I think uh, it was a reaction to that. We'll see if it was an overreaction or not in the the weeks and months to come. Well, so. you know the the economy is still strong. I mean, unemployment is still it low. really is. I yeah. mean, it's, it's less than four percent. Um, there's pockets of strength and pockets of weaknesses. I think supply chain is getting a little bit better. Um, so not trying to predict anything here, um, but you know, I'd be surprised if we're not in a different place next year, a better place. Um, yeah. Personally, is what I what I see and what I believe. But who who knows? We don't try to predict this. We don't. We don't. No. We just stay invested. If you're putting money in now, you're buying more shares. If you're taking money out, we're pulling it out of the bond side. That's so right. That's the process. That's right. Yep. All right. Good question of the week. And then we're going to switch here to talking about estate planning uh, for those folks in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. Yeah. So this is from a Kiplinger, Kiplinger article uh, uh, by a CFP, um, Margarita Cheng. Um, and she wrote this uh, about estate planning for, for those in their 20s and 30s. So you know, if you're in your 20s and 30s and, and you're, you're focusing on building your life, your, your thoughts are centering around your goals, maybe you're paying student debts, maybe you're starting a family, traveling, seeing the world, estate planning usually is not in that, that, no. uh, that conversation. So if you think you're too young, though, for estate planning, you really need to think again because incapacity really can occur at any age. And most people prefer to have control over um, what happens to their belongings when that unthinkable event happens. Um, but when there's no plan in place, really, it's the state that's going to decide what happens to your assets. So estate planning is more than just signing a will. And so we figured we'd go through 
seven estate planning essentials that we think uh, every every yeah. adult needs. And I will tell you, um, we're actually recording this on on Thursday the fifteenth. Don't give it away. Yeah. So, but this is um, this hits home because twenty one years ago today, my mm. brother in law passed away wow. at the age of thirty. Jeez. In a car wreck. Yeah. Right. I mean, and yeah. he had a six month old son, and I remember. We had computers back then, Zach. So I, I remember sitting in front of his computer you. trying to figure out. I was not in this business at this time, but I was trying to figure out, you know, what they had because his wife did not know, yeah. and um, it was panic. I mean, you have sure. you know, a crisis in your in your life, and then you also have a financial crisis as well. So it's and, never too early. Yeah, to do and this. having to deal with that in the midst of grief, in the midst of oh, like the, the, for the surviving spouse or the, whoever the survi- survivors yeah. are, it's like having to deal with trying to figure out something that's complicated. Even if you're not going through something difficult, that's right. It's just it's not worth it. I think you know we'll get into it here, but taking a a, a little bit of your time out to prepare for that. Yeah. So so here's one thing that you need to think about in twenties and thirties, and quite frankly, if, if you have student loans, whatever age you are, is you know student loans are, are a debt burden, and they federal student loans discharge at death, so there's no future payments will be required. That also includes the uh, federal parent plus loans. Um, for private student loans, the decision's up to the lender. So your balance is likely to be for, forgiven. Um, but if you have someone co-sign for that private loan, then they could be on the hook uh, for that. So you've got to figure out you know, what that looks like. And if you took out loans after getting married, uh, your spouse could be stuck with them if you lived in a, in a community property state or they co-signed on your loan. So, so what do you do about student loans? I mean, you kind of work that into an insurance coverage. So term life mm-hmm. insurance, we talk about that here. Want to make sure that, you know, any proceeds you can pay off student loans, you can also pay off mortgages, mortgages and so forth. Yeah. But yeah. a term life policy is a great uh, answer to, you know, paying off student loans if you did pass away. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And uh, the next one we got for you is um, getting a healthcare directive and power of attorney, you know, in a health emergency uh, can make you unable to communicate your treatment wishes, your family needs to shoulder the burden in making those decisions for you. So a healthcare directive, which is also called a living will, tells your family and friends that, um, you know, what what life-saving medical treatments you want, more importantly, what life-saving medical treatments you don't want. Uh, Doctors and nurses are, they're legally bound to abide by your directive unless they have an objection of conscience or consider your wishes medically inappropriate, regardless of what, what your family wants. And so there's an example of this in, in history. Um, in, the ni- in 1990, uh, Terry Schiavo was 26. She suffered a cardiac emergency that left her um, in a vegetative state and triggered a 15-year mm. conflict over her care. Her husband insisted on allowing natural death, but her parents argued that they must uh, keep her alive using extraordinary measures. So in that situation, and I remember that was a very, really popular case uh, growing up, mm-hmm. a, a simple healthcare directive could have prevented this 15-year-long legal battle in, to control her destiny. And so, um, you know, it, it's just very important to, to have in, in mind and, and have in place. And likewise, a healthcare power of attorney document lets you name someone you trust as your agent or attorney, in fact, giving them the power to make medical decisions on your behalf. For situations where an advanced directive does not give uh, enough guidance, your agent can determine those decisions, such as whether to perform a specific procedure. Um, and once you can communicate, a power of attorney rescinds and you have the decision rights again. And so um, getting that POA living will in place is really important. So what you can do is you can find many templates online to set up a POA. Uh, however, you want to keep in mind that with all states, um, you know, while they all accept POAs, each state has different rules and requirements. So 
use an attorney to draw up a document to ensure you know you meet the requirements of your state is, is an important thing. But yeah, get that in place at least. Start the process for that Absolutely. Uh, if you're in your 20s and 30s. So Yeah, and that kind of falls in with the last will and testament as well. So, you know, if you died in an accident, what's going to happen to all your stuff? Um, if you don't have a will, a judge is going to make that decision. Sometimes it's easy, but sometimes it's not. I mean, your family won't have any say in the matter. It's a legal situation called um, it's dying in testate, which means you died without a will. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into probate and the courts will determine that. So um, in a will, you know, you designate what will happen to your property, uh, including your digital uh, assets. Um, you also name an executor for, you know, that person is responsible for executing your wishes. Uh, maybe it's given a car to a sibling or given an heirloom, you know, back to your parents. It doesn't have to be detailed, but there should be some direction on what your wishes are. You know, um, you may not need to include your financial accounts because they have beneficiaries, which you're going to cover here in a minute. Yep. Um, but the first step is is to really you know look at the property, cars, houses, stuff, um, not financial accounts, and decide who's going to get that, who's right. going to inherit that. Uh, there are some forms online that you can do, but uh, you know we we know a lot of really good attorneys in the area. They specialize in estate planning, and mm-hmm. they can help you set up this um, last will and testament. Yeah, yeah. And as you alluded to, John, the next thing to look at is your retirement accounts, <clears throat> your beneficiaries on those. So. You know, you, you might not have accumulated as many assets as as older folks, but they do. Um, you know, younger we we have retirement accounts, John. We do. Yes, you younger people. Yeah, you know, uh, whether it's your four hundred one k at work, you have or you have outside IRAs. That life must, insurance. Life insurance. Yeah. Yep. And you know, it those proceeds um, or yeah, the proceeds will go somewhere when when you die, when the owner dies, and the funds in these accounts pass to the beneficiary you name in the account. It's actually a really simple process. I'm often amazed at how simple the process is to set up a beneficiary. Yeah. It's just a, a, a simple no, notation. But it's essentially you update these documents and financial accounts and the beneficiaries you list on them, whether you make a significant life change such as getting married uh, or maybe going through a divorce or having a child. It's just important to keep those uh, those documents updated. So, Yeah, that's an important that's very important. Yeah. And another thing, do not forget about digital assets. We mentioned that um, family photos, um, you know, passwords to social media accounts, mm-hmm. uh, passwords to um, the financial accounts as well. I mean, um, you know, making sure someone knows where that is. If you own cryptocurrency, unless you properly plan for the transfer, and it could be lost forever. I if mean, people don't know yeah. where it is. Yeah. They don't even understand it begin with much less I being mean, able to find it so yeah especially um, in this digital world i think that's a really good point passport like making it clear sharing that information because i can't even imagine yeah i'll so. tell you on our website we have a, a really good tool that's called a, a financial account inventory um go check that out moneymd.net it's a place that you can document uh passwords you can document um you know beneficiaries on things and and you know folks need to have a roadmap so um, it's not fun doing this. I actually update mine annually. My, my wife has all the, the passwords to the accounts and it's kind of like, where, where is everything? And, yeah. um, you know, so it just document what you have and, and what your wishes are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next thing is child guardianship. Uh, you know, if you have children, you need a guardianship clause in your will that designates a legal, legal guardian for them in case you die before they reach age 18. And when parents die without designating a guardian, or alternate guardian for their children, it falls to a judge to decide who becomes responsible for these kids. And and I'm sure that's not what you you want. You know, family members can engage in ugly legal battles over children who have no say in their own fates. And the 
best person to make that decision for them yes. is is the parents yeah, or you know so um i think so in order like, what to do in this situation addressing guardianship ahead of time it really does save everyone particularly the children a lot of pain and confusion you know you can appoint different guardians for different children if it seems appropriate and experts have recommended naming uh, only one person as the guardian rather than a couple because marriages can dissolve leave children's fates again at the mm. hands of a judge and another thing to take in, uh, take into consideration if parents of children with special needs should appoint a guardian and determine if establishing a special needs trust to support that child makes sense and so um, you know we've shared on the podcast before I mean I have a daughter with Down syndrome and so that was something that we had to talk about early on was mm. the special needs trust and what to do and because it it's a uh, yeah taking care of a child is hard but when they have special needs it's just a little bit more that you need to know in order to take care of that child well so um, anyway it's that's a, that's a critical thing it's often daunting because my brother you know he's yeah. like hey you're gonna take care of my kids if anything happens to me and I'm like no I'm not <laughs> I already have four kids I can't kids? take he has three so okay. be like seven it's a brain yeah, bunch you can't die Matt and for uh, you know nine 20, more 20 years, years or whatever nine, until okay. the oldest is 18 that's probably one of the most important ones I mean you think about you know financial assets are important but man just making sure your kids are right taken care of with a person because it's, it's sometimes it's clear but it's a lot of times it's not so if you don't document that it's going to the courts right? yeah it's just it's not it's not you clean it's messy and uh yeah and the last one here is um your pets yeah never thought about that so we have a dog his name is boomer and if something happened to tammy and i matt it would they, boomer would go to matthew i would yeah. imagine uh danielle already has a dog so um there are pet trust um I've never dealt with a pet trust before. Don't know anyone who does no. it, but I'm sure there's people that specialize in that. So sure. you can certainly set a pet trust up if you if you want to make sure someone takes care of them. It did make an interesting point, though, is if you die without a will, you, unless you have a, a kind neighbor, friend, or relative that steps up to care for the pet, it's likely going to go to an animal shelter. So never really thought about that. I yeah, mean, so. right. I mean, I always feel like it, pets have gotten passed down to uh, children, like you were mentioning. But yeah. yeah, if that's not a situation that you're in, it might be something you know worth considering. So sure. I think you know overall, though, as we discuss these things, whether it's finances, children, pets, whatever situation is, I think the best thing to do is not wait for tragedy to strike yeah. to really get your estate plan in order uh, before you really need it. Um, and if you haven't taken the steps ready to secure these these wishes, you know, do it now. And it's really it really isn't a lot of effort to get it started, so that the the most important things are, are taken care of. So yeah. I thought it was good read, good article to talk about, and uh, good conversation. That'll wrap that one up. Yeah, so, that's right. And we've got the prescription of the prescription. week. Prescription. That's right. Yeah, got, it's the prescription the... of the week, yes, John. Sir. We got to yes. get. Let's go. We got to get a prescription. Is that RMDs, which is required minimum distributions? Thank, thank you. you. Sometimes I speak finance lingo, and yeah, then like no, people like, are like, wait, 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 what's what that again? I'm like, you don't know. What an RMD is? Come on. I don't ever say that. Anyway, required minimum distributions can trigger large increases in Medicare costs. Mm -hmm. So it's important to try and manage the size of your RMDs through Roth conversions. And here's another one, QCDs, which is qualified charitable distributions. But, you know, this is a, a good prescription because a lot of what we like to do is look at people's situations, whole situations, to see how can we plan out the next, you know, especially if they're retired, before 72, before you need to take required minimum distributions, how we can plan out the next 10 years um, to make sure that RMDs don't put you into that higher bracket and plan over 10 years as opposed to trying to uh, get all this in, situ one. Yeah. in one or two yeah. years. Right. Yeah. So anyway. So here's the here the uh, the threshold for Medicare is about 180,000 roughly 
you go over that in income, your Medicare premium goes from 170 per person or 340 for a couple, and it doubles to 680. Yeah. So you know, 180 is a big number, but some people have pensions, uh, Social right. Security, and then the RMD kicks in and it throws them over that That'll level. Throw them over. Yep. Um, it, it, the Medicare can actually go up to like 500 bucks a person or a thousand if it gets high enough. People sell homes sometimes. Yeah. Sell businesses, and so. You know, there are different things that trigger the increase in Medicare costs. So uh, there's some ways to plan for that, like you said. So, um, you know, doing the Roth conversions now, gifting some money away. There's there's different things, donor advised funds. There's ways to reduce um, what, yeah. that, what that that number is going to be um, at some point in the future. So, yeah, it's just good to be aware of and something we, we really like to uh, do with our clients. So Absolutely. So um, glad you joined us this week. This has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Yeah, have a great weekend. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 